Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. Tom Harbin here with you. There's a bunch of stuff that I want to get into today. Number one, how the Supreme Court set up the authoritarian takeover of America. This has to do with Donald Trump's phone call. I'll get to that in just a second. And how the biggest problem we have really isn't Donald Trump himself. Yet that's like the giant moon face in front of us that kind of obscures our view of everything all around it, but it's really the fascist movement that he has launched. To jump right to the end and and give you the whole thing in advance, I'm arguing here that Donald Trump wouldn't even be in office. Like the Mercers wouldn't have been able to funnel all this dark money into Cambridge Analytica and Facebook and all and all these other. Donald Trump wouldn't even be in office had the Supreme Court not back in 1976 and 78 said it's okay if rich people own politicians. Bribery is now legal in the United States. And then, of course, they doubled down on it in 2010 in Citizens United that it would not even be possible. So here we are. What do we do about this? Obviously my solution, and I've talked about this a number of times, is we need to figure out ways to overturn those Supreme Court decisions. I think it could be done both through a constitutional amendment and through law, but those are the things that are right on the tip of my tongue. Other possibilities, you know, serious criminal prosecutions, scare the malefactors. Is this something the Biden administration is willing to do? And if so, how? How do you go about it? Where do you go with all this? But, you know, basically, just let me lay out a piece of this concept that I think is completely absent from the corporate media, from the mainstream media. I have not even seen this discussed once in the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Financial Times, the Guardian, the papers that I read every day. I've not seen it discussed once. And that is the problem in the United States of chronic criminals, of professional criminals, of lifelong criminals. I mean this really seriously. 
back when I was, I think I was 20, 21 years old. It was right around the time Louise and I first got married. I had a job for about six months. Let's get health insurance job. We were just starting a family. And as, a, as the manager at the GNC store in the local mall in Okemos, Michigan, I did that for about six months. And then, and then I got a gig down in Detroit as an engineer for RCA and we moved down to Detroit and that's where our first child was born. Louise and I had this small business and the business kind of crashed and burned. And so I got this job as a, as a manager at GNC. One of the most fascinating parts of it was this thing called the Reed Report. It was, it was an honesty test that I had to give to prospective employees. Part of my job was hiring new people and there was constant churn. It was a low paid job and it was in a mall and it was you know out, out of town and all this kind of stuff. And the honesty report asked questions like, you know, one of your very best employees just came in and tried to give you $200 or to put it back in the till and said that uh, she had been smuggling the money out of the till because she had an emergency medical procedure that her child needed. Now keep in mind, this was 40 years ago, you know, 200 bucks is like $2,000 in today's money. So she, you know, she had this emergency procedure that her child needed. She borrowed it from the till from the company and now she's paying it back. What do you do? And, you know, it was a multiple choice question. Do you thank her for the money? Do you tell her, no, do it again? Sit her down and decide whether you can keep her as an employee. Do you call the police? You know, as I recall, those were the choices. There was another one. Your mother just called and told you that she's been shoplifting at the local store because her food stamps are just not going far enough and your little sister is hungry. What do you do? And of course, one of the answer possibilities was call the police, turn in my mother. Len Kugler was the guy who was the manager now. I think he worked his way up to like some kind of senior vice president at GNC. And I went to Len and I said, I couldn't pass this honesty test. You've got to lie to pass the honesty test. What? This is crazy. And he said, no, no, Tom, what you're missing, he says, of course you couldn't pass the honesty test if you answered honestly. We expect you to lie on it. And I'm like, you expect me to lie on the SEC? He's like, yeah, there are people. And he said, I, you know, the fact that you're objecting to this tells me you're not one of them. But there are people, and it's a small percentage of the population, but they're real and they're out there who either A, don't know the difference between right or wrong. So they don't know how to lie to pass the honesty test. And we definitely want to weed them out. Or people who simply think the rules don't apply to them. They've been able to avoid the rules their whole entire life. So what this test does is it flags those people. And I was like, wow. And that was the first time in my life it had hit me that there were some people, and, and I had known maybe one in junior high school and high school, who would go out of his way to do things that were wrong or illegal, rather, even when it was easier to do the things that were right and legal, just, just for the joy of breaking the law. And... So now, I mean, you look at what's going on right now, and it seems to me fairly obvious, Donald Trump is one of those people. He's one of those people who, A, never internalized the importance of right from wrong, and B, while he understands the concept, doesn't believe it applies to him. Which brings us to the Supreme Court. What the Supreme Court did in 76 and 78 with the Buckley decision, the Bilotti decision, and then in 2010 with the Citizens United decision is created a giant magnet in Washington, D.C. and every state capital around the country 
for people like Donald Trump, for, for lifelong grifters and criminals. And so here we are, 40 some odd, 60 years later, I guess, since, since the Buckley decision, 55 years. And we're noticing that, in, particularly in the Republican Party, which has embraced this wholeheartedly, but also there's a few in the Democratic Party, that there's a bunch of people in Congress who would just as soon lie to our faces as do what's right. If we do not reverse these decisions, and by the way, H.R. 1, the first piece of legislation that Nancy Pelosi got out of the House of Representatives two years ago, we have a new Congress now. But the first piece of legislation addressed this, not in whole, but in part, it addressed this issue. But this has to be job one, is getting money out of this politics. is the Tom Hartman Program. So then the question becomes, how do you do it? And what do you replace it with? Should we have all elections federally funded and state funded? How do we do that? Representative Kathleen Rice and Representative Ted Lieu, both former prosecutors, people who spent much of their careers putting people in jail for crimes, have made a formal criminal referral to the FBI director, Christopher Wray, of Donald Trump for his phone call with Brad Raffsenperger, the Georgia Secretary of State. Ted Lieu specifically cited Trump's saying, quote, I want you to, quote, find 11,780 votes. Time to recalculate. Data point number one. Another reason Donald Trump might go to jail when this is all done or when he leaves office. Data point number two. Donald Trump has apparently, well, here, I'll just read the story. This isn't the Sunday Post. This is a, a British publication, a Scottish publication, actually. Um, Donald Trump could be planning a Turnberry trip as Scott's airport told to expect a high flyer the day before Joe Biden's inauguration. That's the headline. Prestwick Airport has been told to expect the arrival of a U.S. military Boeing 757 aircraft that is occasionally used by Trump on January 19th, the day before his Democratic rival takes charge at the White House. Speculation surrounding Trump's plans has been fueled by the activity of U.S. Army aircraft, which are based, which were based at Presswick Airport for a week and said to be carrying out 3D reconnaissance of the president's Turnberry Resort. Sources at Presswick said two U.S. military surveillance aircraft were circulating Turnberry in November using the Ayrshire, uh, Ayrshire uh, Aviation Hub as a base. U.S. media has reported that Trump will break with tradition and snub the inauguration of Joe Biden on January 20th, instead announcing a re-election bid on Air Force One. I think if it's the 757, that's Air Force Two, but whatever. Do you think uh, what's going on here is that Donald Trump is going to flee? I've been saying for quite some time, I think he's a flight risk. The first step is to get out of the United States using... American equipment. January 19th, he is still president. So he commandeers the 757 and says, fly me to Scotland. He goes to Scotland, maybe stays overnight at his resort, and one of the Trump airplanes pulls up. And then the next morning on the 20th, as Joe Biden is sworn in and as Donald Trump is leaving the White House, leaving the presidency, leaving the legal protections that he has as president, he hops on a Trump airplane and flies to, where do you think? Is he going to fly to Moscow? Is he going to fly to Saudi Arabia? Is he going to fly to Qatar or the United Arab Emirates? 
What country that does not have a functioning extradition treaty with the United States is the place where Trump is going to go? I don't know, but I, you know, it's interesting questions. Interesting questions all. So, Paul in Woodenville, Washington. Hey, Paul, what's on your mind today? I was, I've been saying Dubai. I think he'll go to Dubai and probably live with Dick Cheney there. Yeah, he's is Cheney in Dubai? Uh, no, I don't know. I, that's always been my joke is that they live on the. But that's where the money to bail Jared Kushner out. That's from, right. So, I mean, you know, it makes sense. Well, I think he wants to play golf. So, I, but uh, yeah, well, the, the solution would yeah. be he can go to Scotland and FBI agents can be waiting for him there. I think. But that, he's still uh, present. Based on this, that's why he's going on the 19th. Right. But they can already be there. And on the 20th at noon, he's no longer the president and the FBI can pick him up then. Perhaps. They wouldn't have jurisdiction there, would they? I think they would have to have the Scottish authorities do it. And the Scottish authorities would say that's going to require a warrant issued by a Scottish court. And that's going to take at least 24 hours. And during that time, Trump gets on his Trump airplane and flies to Dubai. Well, you know what the thing is, though, is that he is then, uh, and this is the, <laughs> this is not the reason I called, <laughs> but <laughs> Trump okay. will not have any Secret Service protection at this point. We don't protect fleeing presidents and with his we big loose do. cannon mouth the loose cannon mouth that he has he's going to become a national security risk and i think that the united states authorities will be wanting to keep tabs on him just for that alone but i think the thing One that needs hopes. to be done on january 6th is nancy pelosi needs to needs to file articles of impeachment to if nothing else put donald trump in check and i mean like in chess to put him in check for the final 16 days of his uh, term so that to prevent him from exercising many of the powers, such as pardoning powers, that he would crime. It was a, it's criminal. I, I mean, obviously, agree. what he did is a, is a criminal act. And um, yeah. the the thing that you were talking about, Tom, earlier is that what do we do about this? And I, you know, there's overturning Supreme Court decisions and so on. But I think most immediate is to exercise the in the Biden administration, or certainly the the Justice Department, exercise. The prosecutions, because what's going on here, Tom, is half of, of, of America is getting the idea that unconstitutional remedies for Donald Trump's complaints are possible. Yes. Tom, there is no not just possible, reasonable. Yeah, and reasonable and that they should be done at this point. There's nothing to review. The electors have voted three weeks ago and there's nothing to review. But see, half of the American electorate thinks there is. And half of the American electorate, I think, is so ignorant that the Constitution, there's no provision for flipping elections. There's no provision for election do-overs. And there's no provision, as I heard on another right-wing talk radio this morning, for a national voter ID card to prevent this kind of thing from happening again. That's unconstitutional because the states run the elections. There couldn't be a federal voter ID card. But the other thing is, what's being talked about well, is... Well, hang on just a second, Paul. There actually is, in most states, you cannot register to vote without giving your Social Security number. But that's not a voter ID card. That's the state requiring that. No, but it's, it's how you essentially get your voter ID card. If you don't have a Social Security number, I can virtually guarantee you, you will never be able to become a registered voter. But the federal government cannot require... I'm talking about who's requiring this. The federal government cannot require that. No, I get that. What's going on here with the allegation of fraud, which the Trump team has never presented a case for fraud in court because they don't have one. And this is what I want to point out. 
half of the electorate believes this, you have to think of it this way. There are five very important factors in determining fraud. They're very difficult to prove in court. And I'll just briefly say a falsity, a falsity that is propagated by some perpetrator with the intent to deceive one party, with the intent to deceive another party who relies upon that falsity and is damaged by it. So, so far, we've never heard about who are the parties, who is the perpetrator of the fraud, and who is or are the victims. And no matter how you slice it, Donald Trump is not the victim of any of the types of fraud they have alleged or they're talking about. Voter fraud, if people, if people are, have voted and shouldn't have, first of all, there's no uncounting votes. Once a vote is cast, I don't care if it turns out to be Genghis Khan or Adolf Hitler who cast the vote. Once the local clerk's office has certified that ballot as valid, that vote has to be counted. It cannot be uncounted. We don't have uncounts and redos. And the other thing is the victim has to, because Donald Trump lost the election, doesn't make him the victim. The victim might be, for instance, if a ballot was shredded, that voter has to say, listen, I was defrauded. It's not Donald Trump. This is what's wrong with what's being, and so why I support your idea of these prosecutions is because America apparently seems to need to learn by empirical experience. When we have the trials yep. and, we ha and the information comes out, that's how people learn what apparently what the Constitution means and what it says. Otherwise, people just make this crap up and they believe it. The Republicans make it up as if these things are possible and they should be done and reasonable when they're absolutely unconstitutional and impossible under our system. But half the electorate believes it. The number of Americans who have come to an understanding of U.S. criminal law by watching cop shows is probably much higher than the number of Americans who understand criminal law because they ever studied it or bothered to read about it. Same thing. You know, this is a giant reality show that Donald Trump has been running for five years now. And hey, let's wrap up the reality show with a little bit of reality. Let's put the malefactors in jail. By the way, I've started publishing my stuff regularly over at medium.com. It's a, a great website for publishing your stories. You can check out my stuff over there now. Greg Pallast is on the line. Our old buddy, Greg Pallast, the investigative reporter and <laughs> trepid purveyor of information. Greg, are you down in Georgia still? I'm in Georgia. I mean, the, so tell, yes, uh, tell us what's going on so. down there. Tell us what you've been up to, uh, you know, uh, fill us in. Okay. Um, if you can hear me well, um, yes, I'm in Georgia. Yes. I'm about to go meet uh, with uh, Brad Raffensperger, the supposed hero of the day, the Secretary of State. We just heard his tape where he's uh, not crunching, giving up uh, to Donald Trump's uh, arm twisting to flip the election before the Electoral College vote is accepted uh, um, in two days by Congress. Uh, the reason I'm down here, though, Tom, is that Brad Raffensperger is no hero. Yes, he has um, stood up to Trump. That is, he can't steal any more votes for him. He can't get him another 12,000 votes. But understand, this is a guy who, you know, in my report to the ACLU, we identified 198,000 people illegally purged from the voter rolls, overwhelmingly black and brown people. And as uh, I reported with you, uh, he's still refusing, despite a, uh, a, a demand by a judge 
federal judge to meet with me, to meet with Black Voters Matter, which has sued him to return these voters to the voter rolls. You know, he's uh, still the Persian general of Georgia. And, you know, he may not be uh, playing Trump's game, but he is trying to uh, shoplift the U.S. Senate uh, for Mr. McConnell. That's the future. They're trying right. to take the Senate, not Trump. Hmm? No, I, I get that. And, Greg, I would submit to you and, and uh, you know, feel free to tell me if you think I'm crazy here. Yeah. But uh, were it not for voter suppression methods, you know, principally purging people, um, Rastin Perger would not be secretary of state and Brian Kemp would not be governor. And therefore, these guys both know that if there is an ins- a serious investigation into how elections are run in Georgia, in all probability, that investigation will overlap, you know, at least a two or three year period and look at what happened in the election that brought Kemp and Rafson Perger to power. And that will be a disaster for them. This is not like the John Kerry 2004 in Ohio. It, you know, it took them a, a year to bury all the data and evidence and whatnot. But there's it. But it's gone. It's not gone yet in Georgia. And if there if they were to say, you know, Trump may be onto something. We need to have a commission. We need to look into this. Let's do a thorough deep dive, a big systemic one that involves Democrats looking into it as well as Republicans. He'd be toast, would he not? Absolutely. The idea that he's some type of hero defending American democracy is nuts. Okay, understand, this is the guy, uh, again, he's been sued for illegally removing 198,000 voters. We've got many of them on camera, Um, you know, as you know, uh, Martin Luther King's uh, 92-year-old cousin and several others. And but even more important, we have the names and addresses of those voters he wrongly removed. They said he's left. They left Georgia. They're right here. I'm talking to them. They're on camera. The post office verifies that they haven't moved. And he, you know, his office literally, literally misled a federal court saying that they had checked with the post office. That's required by federal law. I mean, it's not just common sense. If you say someone's moved out of the state or out of their county, you don't. Uh, you have to verify it with the post office. It's common sense and federal law. He didn't. In fact, they misled the court and said that they did. We confronted their director of elections last week. You know, that's what I was chasing him around the uh, Capitol building and finally caught up with him. They literally shut the secretary of state's office. So Raffin's perjure literally shut his office, locked the door, turned out the light, and left their phone number on a door which went to nowhere. We found his director of elections hiding in another building. We hunted him down and confronted him. Why did you mislead a court about checking on where these voters live? They're right here in Georgia, but you're denying them the right to vote. This is also the guy that tried to sneak in a rule. We caught him that said, if you don't register a car in Georgia, you can't register to vote because they supposedly need that to verify that you actually live here. But it's also a nice trick to eliminate students poor people who don't have cars, etc. That's just some of the tricks that they're playing. And, of course, this constant attack on, on voters um, who you know, didn't properly, in their opinion, didn't properly sign their absentee ballots. And almost all the absentee ballots coming in were Democratic ballots. And there were, there were tens of thousands, tens of thousands, which were rejected in the last election. And as you say, we've been covering this actually since 2014. But we know that this purge game and the other trickery Jim Crow trickery by his predecessor, Brian Kemp, who appointed him, who appointed Raffensperger to take his place, that trick reelected Kemp as governor. And yeah, they don't want to open up this investigation. We would love to have an investigation. 
Um, but uh, that's last thing you're going to do. But I'm going to go over to the Capitol right now and try to ask him again. To what extent is this blatant and this widespread in other states? And is it exclusively red states and purple states controlled by Republicans? Pretty much. You know, I, when you get to, you know, Democrats do uh, uh, steal votes, but from each other during primaries. That's the main problem, like in places like California and New York. But the truth is, is that if you're going to remove black votes, if you're going to remove young voters and brown voters, uh, you know, like Ishtar Diaz is one of the voters. I just met him at his house. He's still living there. They said he moved out and they got rid of him. So, yes, it's mostly a red state. And the reason I've been investigating Georgia is that this is the swing state of swing states. I've always said it is because there were, you know, it, it's a white minority state right now. So the Republicans are desperate to hold control and they need it for those two Senate seats. So, when you talk about new Jim Crow tactics, they tend to be taken for a test drive in Georgia. And so, you know, again, Raffensperger is absolutely no hero. It's just that he has his eye on the ball, shoplifting the Senate race. He doesn't have time to play games with uh, Donald Trump, which might actually land him in prison. You know, there's, you know, there's going to be a very different Justice Department in uh, three weeks. Yeah, yeah, God willing. Um, so, so let me just get this straight, Greg. You said that Raffsenperger has knocked 197,000 people off the voting rolls uh, wrongly, people, uh, mostly black and brown people in Georgia. Yeah. Um, he's only been Secretary of State for a couple of years. Um, yeah. My recollection was when, Brad, when, uh, when the current governor, Brad, uh, Brian Kemp, ran okay. for election, he was the Secretary of State, and he had knocked over 200,000 people off the voting rolls. Did, are we talking two separate groups of about 200,000 each, mostly black and brown people who have been thrown off the voting rolls? And if so, did that first group ever get put back on the voting rolls? Well, that, that's the thing, is that uh, there's, there's some overlap. Uh, Brian Kemp, when, uh, as Stacey Abrams noted in picking up our investigations, illegally removed 340,000 people from the voter rolls. Some of those people have tried to get back on. We've gotten tens of thousands of people back on. We've had everything from gigantic electronic billboards, uh, 98,000 postcards going out to wrongfully purge voters, um, tens of thousands of phone calls by the Hispanic Frontline Group uh, uh, Southwest Voter Education um, Project. And, uh, and now, you know, so we, we're trying, we tried very much, and we believe we got tens of thousands of people back on the rolls. In fact, the judge has asked Ravensburger to say how many people have been returned, how many people still have to be returned. Could you sit down with Black Voters Matter and Greg Callis and his experts and get this thing straightened out? And by the way, look out for a film that will be up today, produced by uh, George DiCaprio, Tom Hartman, and Rosario Dawson on the theft in Georgia. Go to Greg Palace. Cool. Where can we find it, Greg? Uh, go to gregpalace.com, and we'll have it up there, too, later this afternoon. Great. Looking forward to it. I'll tweet the hell out of it. Thank you, Greg. Greg Palace. This is the Tom Hartman Program. The great Greg Palace. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch 
Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I think that Trump's phone call and his effort to get uh, Raffsenperger, it's funny how they constantly mispronounce his name like it's Berger, which is a fairly common name. You know, uh, uh, Berger, uh, B-E-R-G is typically like the, uh, these are old German words, right? But, but his last name is Perger, P-E-R-G-E-R, as in uh, remove people from voting rolls. But in any case, Trump's conversation with uh, Raffsenperger is getting all this uh, kind of hysteria. And in some ways, it's even splitting the right from the left. I think this is fascinating. You know, this newsletter, The Writing, we had the um, week or two ago, we had the guy who started it on the air with us, The Writing, T-H-E-R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G dot com. And he, you know, basically we read the white right-wing news so you don't have to, and they give you a summary of it. The Washington Examiner is calling Trump idiotic, saying it's a power grab of that sort would normally be called shameless or brazen, but listening to Trump, the best descriptor might be idiotic. But then Newsmax says, the Washington Post says that Trump repeatedly urged him to alter the outcome of the presidential vote in the state. This claim is false. The transcript of the call shows Trump demanding an honest accounting of the ballots. And then you go to National Review and they say, no, Trump, you can't just recalculate the vote. And then you go to trending politics and it says, uh, to Trump's surprise, Raffsenperger leaked the call to make Trump look bad. Then American Thinker, the headline, the media are lying about Trump's Georgia phone call. So there's all this stuff. I mean, going back and forth and all over the place. Which is it? I think it's treason to lay it out, to say, the outcome of a democratically, and, and we shouldn't even use the word democratically because it triggers the poor snowflakes on the right. The outcome of an election in our republic brought Joe Biden in as president. Donald Trump is refusing to acknowledge that and is trying to change the outcome of a fair and legal election. It is starting to split the Republican Party. Mike Lee peeled off. Mike Lee said, eh, I'm not going to go along with this craziness. It's going to be interesting to see how this falls apart. John in Drew Moore, Pennsylvania. Hey, John, thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's up? Since the uh, Republican Party seems to be factionalizing itself between what we would have considered uh, reasonable Republicans to these wacky, crazy, conspiracy theorist-driven theorist, uh, Trumpists, how important do you think it is to call out our Republican elected officials as to whether or not they support, say, QAnon, so as to divide this Republican Party even more to enable more moderate or, you know, the Democrats to get elected. And I mean, like, state elected offices as well as federal and that sort of thing. It's a good question. Did you notice that, is her name Marjorie Taylor Greene, I think it is, is the, yeah, uh, is the to. follower who was, yeah, who was elected to the House of Representatives of Georgia. When they were having their session or their swearing-in ceremony or whatever it was, she and one other member were evicted from the House of Representatives for refusing to wear masks. 
because it's just a it's just a conspiracy, don't you know? It's phony. And I mean, <laughs> this is she said, right? Or they were saying. I mean, that's that's their basic message. But I think this has even gone beyond that, John. I, I, th- I think what what we have in the conspiracy theorists, and, and by the way, that's one of several. They're morphing and they're growing, and you've got a whole different variety of them growing in the white supremacist right, and then you've got a whole different variety of them growing in the police-aligned militaristic right, and then you've got that, and then you've got the, the folks who are just, you know, Trump, live or die. The uh, October 2nd House resolution, it was introduced by a Democrat in the U.S. Congress that basically specified QAnon. And then uh, the whole uh, House had to vote on it. There were 100 and, I believe, 41 Republicans that uh, went along and, and supported that, and, as did every Democrat. And there were 40 Republicans who officially not voting, one of whom is my representative in the Congress. What happens is that it puts these guys into a double bind. They become, you know, either pro or con QAnon, and it will alienate one side or the other of the Republican Party, and thereby, you know, driving this wedge and maybe even uh, causing a third party to be created. Yeah, I, I get that, uh, John. I really do. The point I was trying to make before, and I'm, I'm sure I'm making it very poorly, is that I think that this is just a stage a step along the road. You know, it's, it's just a stage in the development of what, in fact, is an authoritarian movement in the United States. Authoritarian movements initially take many different forms, and we've seen that over the last 50 years in the United States, you know, various little authoritarian movements popping up. Eventually, they tend to morph into one and unite behind an individual leader. I don't think Trump is that leader for the long term. I think he's the one who brought this all out. It just never stops, right? One other thing the Republicans are freaking out about, right? Generally speaking, the GOP has been fine with fascist movements. I mean, you know, it was a fascist movement in the United States that was called the America First Movement. They were openly fascist. They used Nazi symbols, just like today. And, uh, you know, back during the Confederate time, you you had a fascist movement in, in the South in the 1860s. And they even had people who were on their side in the North. The mayor of New York City in 1860 suggested that New York City should join the South and secede from the Union. I mean, that's how crazy it gets, right? The fact, this particular fascist movement right now wants to hang on to power. And they know that one of the things that has given them power is the Electoral College. Keep in mind, the last time a, an initial candidate for president who was a Republican won the Electoral College, excuse me, won the popular vote in the United States. The last time a Republican candidate for president who was not running for re-election, the last time a Republican candidate for, for president not running for re-election won a majority of the vote in the United States was 1988. That is, what, 33 years ago, if I'm doing my math right? 33 years ago was the last time a Republican president became president because they won the popular vote and the Electoral College. 
And so obviously the Republicans don't want the Electoral College to go away. George W. Bush lost the popular vote by a half million votes to Al Gore. Al Gore got a half million more votes than George W. Bush. He should have been president. Hillary Clinton got three million more votes than Donald Trump. She should have been president. So now there's a bunch of Republicans, kind of a a small group of them, as it were. It is being apparently led, this group is apparently being led by, um, that's that's totally weird, it didn't print out right, Uh, is is apparently being led by Thomas Massey, and uh, who is the, there's a great story about this, by the way, over on um, Raw Story. He's a Republican from Kentucky. He's being joined by Kelly Armstrong, Republican from North Dakota, Ken Buck, Republican from Colorado, Mike Gallagher, Republican from Wisconsin, Nancy Mace, Republican from South Carolina, Tom McClinic, uh, Republican from California, and Chip Roy, Republican from Texas. These Republican members of the House of Representatives issued a joint statement saying, stop contesting the election because what, not literally saying this, but saying, saying this in essence. Stop contesting the election because what you're really contesting is the electoral college and the choice of electors and all that kind of stuff. And we don't want to give the Democrats and Republicans who might agree with them a rationale for doing away with the Electoral College, because if we do away with the Electoral College, we won't any longer be able to put Republicans in the White House even when they lose elections. It's very straightforward. And so basically they're saying is to unconstitutionally insert Congress into the center of the presidential election process would amount to stealing power from the people and the states. It would, in effect, replace the Electoral College with Congress and in so doing, strengthen the efforts of those on the left who are determined to eliminate or render the Electoral College irrelevant. Which would be a constitutional amendment or the uh, nationalpopularvote.com movement. So they're saying, you know, be careful. You guys, you know, with all these stunts, if you delegitimize the Electoral College, you are doing away with the one thing that's keeping us in power. That should tell us all something. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today? Hey, not too much, Tom. You know, Carl Bernstein, he said that all the members of Congress should immediately push Trump to resign from office. Now, Carl Bernstein was talking comparatively with his Watergate experience. You know, he was comparing Trump to what Nixon did, and he was talking about the law. But check this out. There is a national security reason. Trump should automatically resign from office or be forced to resign. And I'll tell you why. What Trump has done Now, you were talking about a fascist movement, right? Trump has a very small window, if he's smart and if he's brave, and if he listens to what I'm saying, okay? He has a very small window to secure his reign as a head of this fascist movement. Because what he's done with this recording is he's opened the door for Iran, the government in Tehran, to do whatever they want and say it's a casus belli. Uh, Javad Sharif, Sharif, uh, he said that, the United States is involved right now in a casus belli against uh, Tehran. Now, I've been out of the intel business for a while, right? So there are some things I don't know, obviously. 
but they keep coming back to their old playbook, which I know very, very well. I was at the Alaskaria Shrine in Samara. They floated this idea back then of Israeli agents posing as al-Qaeda blew up the Alaskari Shrine. They've, this is their playbook, okay? So basically what- Is this what happened or what they were plotting? This is what they claim. Now, now who actually, did, maybe it was al-Qaeda. I'm not trying to say uh, Iranians are here. Oh, I see. It's, 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 not, it's not known now who, who blew it up. I see. They're, what they did is they floated the idea that it was Israel. And the Iraqis, right. I was right there. They all bought off on it. They started looking for Israeli agents. Now, here's the deal. This, it, like I said, Javad Sharif said the United States it, it is falling apart and we're involved in a casus belly, right? Uh, a feint, a, a, a deception, right? a pretext for war. So what, what Trump, anything that happens, right, the Iranians can say, look, this was not us. This was the United States. This would force Even Russia. Even it is them. Right. And Russia has an alliance with Iran, like it or not. They're hooked to Iran. Mm-hmm. It, it, under, the pre, under a casus belly, it gives Russia, it gives them the legal latitude to fully intervene and stop the United States. All right. And so what Trump can do is tell, of course, Moscow is going to contact Trump. And Trump can say, look, I have nothing to do with this. I am the victim of a coup. Moscow is going to say, well, what about this Joe Biden guy? Trump can honestly say, I do not know. I am a victim of a coup. And then the, the, Russia could drop the hammer. All Trump has to do is make it to the Russian ADIS, the air defense interdiction zone. Uh, I'm, th- I'm thinking Manas Air Base in Kazakhstan. If he could fly to probably Ashgabat in Turkmenistan, it'd probably be best. Or he could fly to Nur Sultan in Kazakhstan. Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, or Turkmenistan. He is under the Russian ADIS. All right, there is no way we could get him. All right, he would be under right. Russian control. And yeah, and, and, and um, uh, Nigel, who's our, our webmaster, who's based in the UK, uh, sent me a note this morning saying that Scotland just went into a, a lockdown. Somebody also mentioned this on Twitter that Scotland just went into a full lockdown starting at midnight tonight, and therefore he didn't think that Trump could land. I think he'll be able to land. I, you know, I'm, I, my question is, can he just land and change planes? Well, there, there's a number. Of, obviously, going to like Turkey or the UK or something would be would be optimal, okay? But I don't know about right. survivability. That's that's next level planning. But the bottom line is, Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney is the one that got all these former um, secretaries of defense to sign off on this protest on this Trump, what Trump is doing with the military, trying to do like a military Hmm. coup. Look, man, this all looks like a coup. And Russia could say the United States has the world's largest nuclear arsenal. We don't want to do this, but we must do this. Now, part of me is just throwing this out for you to chew on. The other part of me, I've got some sort of moral drive. I'm like, I have got to warn people, man. Because this, if you think, obviously, the, the coronavirus was bad, okay? But if you think that's bad, World War III with, or any combat with Russia is going to be horrific. It's going to be horrific. Yeah. Massively worse. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you, Dave. Dave, thank you. A lot to think about. <laughs> A lot to chew on here. Uh, We live in complex times in a way, and in a way, it's a very simple process that we live through. I tweeted this, by the way, a little earlier. I think it's the fascist movement that we have to worry about.
We'll be right back. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Randy in Ottawa, Iowa. Hey, Randy, thanks for watching Free Speech. What's up? Oh, God, I'm kind of depressed after that fascism rant, buddy. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I see your point and through history how all that works. And that wasn't my original what my original comment wanted to be, but uh, the going galt, the golfers, the uh, tax revolters, uh, tax evaders, and it all plays into fascism and, and corporate power. Um, I agree with mm-hmm. that. All, all, wholeheartedly. Uh, but what I want to touch on today, Tom, if it's okay, um, in the Washington Post, there was an article called A Blizzard, A Disputed Electoral Vote Count, and the 1887 Law Tying Pence's Hands. Have you read that? I've not. You should. It's great. Uh, and there's a, and, and as you're talking about all of these uh the revolt inside the Republican Party. There's another uh, article that comes uh, that's in the uh, post as well. It's called Bitter GOP Split Upends the Pomp as New Congress Takes Over. So in the first article of the the Electoral Count Act of 1887, they talk about the Know-Nothing Party. And Mm -hmm. from those two articles, I, I kind of started thinking of these um, well, what you would call the fascist movement in in government uh, as uh, more of the know nothings. They have no nothing to substantiate their claim. They have nothing to uh, stand on legally. Um, it's well, just hang on a, just a second, a Randy. The know nothing party rose up to actually take over the Massachusetts legislature in the 1880s, and they they didn't call themselves the know nothings. Uh, it was called the, uh, the the Star-Spangled Banner Party, or the it, ha- it had a formal name that sounded very all-American. And the reason they called them the Know Nothing Party was because they had a secret handshake. And when you did the secret handshake with another member of the party, you would say, "I know nothing," 
as in I'm keeping my mouth shut. You know, it's like Omerita. <laughs> We're all mobsters here. And that's the history oh, of the wow. Nothing Party. You can look it up. And, and, and in fact, it was uh, uh, Horace Mann, the father of modern education, used the Know Nothing Party to get public schooling instituted in Boston to break the back of the Catholic community. Um, it's a whole fascinating story. But anyhow, uh, Randy, we have just a minute left. Make your point. I'm sorry. I went off on a digression uh, there. Then, then uh, it's just to go back to the article, the blizzard and the disputed electoral vote. In 1857, they actually handed, I can't res- uh, tell you the exact players, but they tried to hand the election off to, to uh, I believe it was a Republican, who had uh, uh, less votes. And it failed in 1857. So this thing that, that this article is just great. You'll just, uh, please read it. Uh, Are you talking about the election of 1856, the federal presidential election? No, it would have been 1857, I think. Well, 57 was the year that the president got sworn into office. And I'm forgetting who was right before. It wasn't okay. Polk who was right before Lincoln. I'm Lincoln. pulling it up again. Precedent of 1857, that's what they called it. Check out the article. It's great, Tom. God bless you and happy I New Year. I will do. I will do it, Randy. Thank you. Happy New Year to you and yours. And thanks a lot for Coming up on The Science Revolution is Dr. Edwin C. May for an in-depth interview on how the federal government used ESP to spy on foreign governments. In brief, the U.S. military and intelligence communities funded a 20-year program to collect intelligence during the Cold War by using so-called psychics. Did it work? Was it successful? What happened and what can we learn from it? Dr. Edwin C. May also talks about the broader implications of ESP and psychics. Tune into The Science Revolution wherever fine podcasts are found. Tom Harbin here with you, picking up your calls. Rob in Iron Mountain, excuse me, Mount Iron, Minnesota. You are on the air, Rob. You know, the one thing that Republicans love to be able to take and play with is the um, media. You know, I mean, they have their Fox media and stuff like that. And uh, um, whatever they do, they they don't think that they have any consequences for what they do, even if they're wrong. Look at Merrick Garland, you know. All of a sudden, we end up with Amy Comey Barrett or something like that, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, one is the... Uh, leaders of the uh, House and the Senate going to be able to take and impose consequences on the Republicans like treason and sedition. They want to be able to take an audit the Biden election. How about all the House members that have been elected? They should have their uh, elections audited. And at the same time, they should not only have them audited, uh, their voting rights should be suspended until... Their audit is complete and slow walk um, the audit. Um, yeah, here's uh, how it could play out, Rob. Nancy Pelosi is recognizing and seating new members of Congress. It seems to me, and I'm sure that this won't happen, and in fact, it's probably too late now uh, in terms of time, but I, what I think you know, would have been grand political theater at the very least would be for her to say to each member, uh, or as each member is sworn in, um, individually to, to require part of that swearing in to be, I affirm that the election conducted, the election uh, conducted in my state 
in 2020 was uh, free, fair, honest, and you know had integrity or whatever. And if anybody refuses to affirm that, simply say, oh, okay, well, if you're questioning the validity of the election in which you were elected, we're going to make you a, a, a temporary member of Congress. We will seat you, but you may not vote until you uh, assert that your election was legitimate. I, you know, this is kind of you're a thinking on my loosey idea here, but something like that, you know? What do you think? You know, he's thinking on my life, and at the same time, there's a half a dozen uh, Republican senators, uh, freshmen that are just being walked in. Um, if they want to be able to challenge the Biden election, let's challenge their election, too. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. And I think the other reason why there's a bunch of Republicans who are trying to push back on Trump and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, it's not the voting machine company and stuff like that, is because they're quite happy with these voting machine companies and they're quite happy with the, the election strategies, the election voter suppression strategies and other strategies that they've had going so far. And uh, they just like to keep things going. Um, so, you know, we'll see where it goes. Um, anyhow, time, th Tom. thank you very much for the call. Yeah, good talking to you, Rob. Marsha in Winter Park, Florida. Hey, Marsha, what's up? Hey, well, you give everybody so much to think about while we're waiting on cue, the fascist movement and Holly and mm -hmm. Cruz and all of them is that I think they're jockeying for top position. They're the smart Trump that people have talked yeah. about. Wait till they show up. But I agree. I think I think that there's a totalitarian propensity in human beings that where you want to control things, you want to be in charge, you want to have more and government is in place and religion and school to put a damper on our worst ideas, our worst angels. And yeah, you could say society is in fact, I think. Yeah. And, and the, 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 the social contract, which is now shredded, it's gone pretty much. We mm -hmm. can't trust our government. And the ones, and maybe it's a guy thing. That's the other thing that I, while I'm sitting here on the phone waiting, it's like, well, you know, we've only had men in power that have had mm -hmm. real power. And we won't know. And when you the look difference. at the countries that are run, where, where the parliament is approaching or over 50% 50, 50 women, um, you know, Norway, Iceland, it's several of the Scandinavian countries, I believe. There's a lot less strife. Back to you, Marcia. I, th I think testosterone is one of well, the most dangerous drugs it's in the, the whole world. Thing you know until women are actually exercising real influence in Western or in any societies to see if there's any difference. Yeah. Hawley has shown that he is, and Cruz too, but Cruz is more of a known commodity. Hawley's kind of new as far as I didn't know anything about him. So he he replaced Claire McCaskill. You know, who's working across the aisle burning? Look, he found somebody. Great. And then two days later, whenever he jumps on that, oh, hey, I'll be your guy to help you go after voter fraud. You need a guy? I'll be the guy. He's finger in the wind, just like Trump. He doesn't stand for anything. Yeah, no, this was so, this was Josh Hawley declaring his candidacy for president in, two, in four years. Exactly. His, his, exactly. his primary aspirations in two years. It's people like him that the whole Trump Trumpist thing, it gives mm -hmm. that permission to those worst angels of our stuff. Yeah. I'm with you, Marsha. And, and, and I think we need to stop thinking of it as Trump. It's not Trump. It's fascism. Trump has merely empowered and given license and voice 
to the fascist movement in the United States. And that's where we really be, need to be concerned and focusing our efforts. Marshall, thank you for the call. You're listening to Tom Hartman. George in Chicago. Hey, George, what's on your mind today? Thanks for listening to WCPT. Well, first off, a uh, very happy New Year to you and Louise and everybody at the Tom Hartman Show, although we can't really say Happy New Year till January 20th. That's when our new year will truly be. <laughs> there you go. It's like it's um, like a fiscal year begins on January 20th. <laughs> also, I believe that it was Neil Katyal, the former acting solicitor general, who advanced the idea that uh, Trump could be impeached after he leaves office. Uh, he made a case for it uh, in an interview hmm. yesterday that the Constitution is structured to allow that. Primarily because of the need to prevent a corrupt politician from running for office again. I just had two quick points to make about the phone call, which Carl Bernstein has characterized as worse than anything he heard during the Nixon Watergate scandal. I agree. The first is that was this the only call of this nature that Trump made or has made or intends to make? Because switching George's electoral votes isn't enough to get him back in. Secondly, in addition to his corruption and narcissism, which this call exposes once again for all to see, it also shows that Trump is a chump. It shows his incompetence. I mean, didn't he or any of his people consider the possibility that this call would be recorded? And that it was recorded with obviously high-quality sound equipment because everything is sharp and clear and every word is distinct. I mean, this is just totally idiotic. Mob guys haven't talked on the phone since the 60s. I mean, to combine with his other faults, I just wonder how much danger we're in for the next couple of weeks. I think that Donald Trump thinks that he's immune. He was impeached once and he got away. I mean, this isn't the first call that we know of where he called somebody up and said, help me flip an election. You know, it was to the to the president of Ukraine and and he explicitly said it. Now, we never heard that call. We've never seen a full transcript of that call. Um, But what little we do know about it, it was fairly fairly clear that he was basically saying the same thing. You know, help me take down Joe Biden so I can become president again. You know, this is how he rolls. And this is, you know, I think I think he thinks that he's immune. He is immune from immediate prosecution. I think he, he knows that he's facing prison for bank fraud, wire fraud, real estate fraud, uh, money laundering. I mean, there's a whole long list of things that he's literally going to be facing prison for in 16 days in various states that have absolutely nothing to do with being president or even running for president. This is all criminal stuff that he did before he became president. He's looking at that. Plus, he's looking at the possibility of criminal stuff that he did while being president. The Mueller report outlines 10 different explicit instances where he he committed obstruction of justice. He could be prosecuted for any of those in retrospect. Um, He could be prosecuted for, for, you know, uh, the the crimes having to do with the election. Uh, His lawyer, Michael Cohen, went to prison for three years or got a three-year sentence for for, uh, paying off Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal in order to keep it out of the election. Well, who did he do that for? Individual one. That was Donald Trump. The, The crime was 
not committed by Donald Trump, it was ordered by Donald Trump, which is arguably even worse. So, so he's looking at all this as the outcome. I'm going to go to prison anyway. So what the hell? Let's just commit another crime. I think that's how he's thinking, George. I think he's at the point where he knows he's going down. His only way out of this is going to be to flee the country, which I fully expect him to do. And, you know, like Steve Bannon did. And, and Bannon then got busted, you know, on that billionaire's yacht. Um, you know, I, I, I think he just figures he's got nothing, nothing left to lose. You know, it's like the old Chris Christopherson song, you know, the Bobby McGee song. So anyway, George, thanks a lot for the call. Chris in Fresno. Hey, Chris, what's on your mind? I just wanted to uh, apologize on behalf of my district here in uh, Fresno and Tulare County. We have Congressman Devin Nunes, who got the oh, Presidential geez. Medal of Freedom, I suppose, this morning I woke up to. He definitely does not deserve it. I mean, the guy has been a lapdog, not only for Trump, but for uh, George Bush as well. I mean, yeah. the guy, he yeah. goes with whatever... Uh, authoritarian is in power and, and that's my concern is just the authoritarians and how people fall in line and I hope that on both sides we can get people to fight for progressive values because I would like a Medicare for all vote and I was sad to see yeah. even the I, I, I'm totally with you Chris I'm completely with you thanks a lot for the call and thank you for being with us today we'll be back tomorrow same time same place in the meantime don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport it requires all of us and that includes you to get out there and get active. Tag your it. And let's help keep our friends, family, and the rest of the country awake. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.